What's up, guys? <laughs> it's Adam Air, MDGD. And my Underground Cartoon Therapy 72nd Hour Super Fucking Special. Well, this is the end of the project, guys. <clears throat> I'm glad you stuck with me. So let's get this fucker going, and let's get it over with. This is AK to my ex-girlfriend Chainsaw. You're a fucking living piece of shit. And all my enemies. <laughs> and everybody that's been fucking with me. <clears throat> and welcome to the 72 hour hold. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll be honest, I, uh... <laughs> went 10 years without going into the hospital and I did end up in the hospital ironically but I went voluntarily and I had my buddy call 911 on me oh yeah that was fun mm -hmm. and then I ended up uh getting services through that and on this episode I'm gonna tell you uh, a few of the lockup stories that I had and I recorded my intake and I cut out the fucking boring ass shit <laughs> I don't like this version take that bass out of there <laughs> anyway this is dedicated to everybody I fucking hate you guys can fucking suck it And uh, this is me spiritually coming clean and uh, letting you know. This yeah, man. <clears throat> Made it through 72 episodes. A lot of them have been good. I don't talk to most of the people that I had on the show anymore. I either had a fallout with them, <laughs> some bullshit. I got a couple people I still talk to left, whatever. It's been a great project. If I don't sound too enthused, it's because I'm not, dude. I'm fucking suicidal as fuck. Don't really give a fuck what you think about that. I'm not acting on it, so whatever. Everybody can fuck off. I've been getting harassed where I'm living. Uh, finally, the landlord's little assistant the other day fucked herself by harassing me in the hallway, so I called the cops and I got a badge number. And, uh... I plan on using it if I get fucked with again. I lost my job last night because people like to fucking bitch about how slow fucking deliveries are. <laughs> it's like we're in the middle of a fucking virus. Everybody's a fucking lunatic. Everybody I fucking know is hurt on some level. I am no exception. And they're hurting. And uh, I have participated in hurting other people. And, uh, I can only take responsibility for my shit. But people who think I owe them an apology when I don't, and they owe me a fucking apology, I'm gonna stand that ground. 
you know, I will have to work on forgiving every motherfucker that hurts me. One, because <laughs> I believe in the Sumerian text. You know, I believe we were engineered. I don't think anyone here fucking has to be all fucked up the way we are. And I honestly believe we're the only ones in the universe to have fucking mental illness. And the rest of the galaxy is fine. They either choose good or evil. And they all know about the creator. There's no religion out there. They just know places they're not allowed to go. And this is one of them. <clears throat> you know, I have had a crazy life. And I know I sound stressed the fuck out. I'm just like you, man. This is my only fucking outlet, though, you know? Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and just get this episode rolling and tell you um, some of my favorite 72-hour holds that I've had. Uh, <laughs> you know, originally, and I got to apologize to Mike Diana, who's pretty much, you know, laid out sick right now so prayers to my bud there mike and then uh i love you buddy fucking recover whatever you gotta do and then um steve Leva's mia i don't know where the fuck that guy is you know everybody's fucked up everybody's fucked up you know um basically what happened to me was i ended up having to get a buddy turn me in he had to turn me in I asked him to call 911 after Chainsaw fucking annihilated me and all of her little posse which has been giving me grief for fucking the last few years especially a couple bitches out there that have been talking shit you guys need to stay out of my fucking life and you already got in my fucking life the chick's already fucked up enough as it is, and she hangs out with these fucking turd burglars. <laughs> anyway, stressing me the fuck out, man. Taking everybody's shit. I'm in the middle of a fucking portal, dealing with warlock shit. Not that anybody else gives a fuck. You know? You know, finally, after ten years of not being able to fucking say that, you know, I've been in the hospital. I finally had to go back to the hospital. And the EMT showed up. <laughs> and they were really nice. Unfortunately, you know, if you don't have services out, you know, I've been hesitant to switch my medi Medicaid over from New York, which I get off my disability. Because everywhere I go is infiltrated with some shit that's making me paranoid. <laughs> well, that doesn't make it easy, huh? And when people act like they're going to fucking help you and they start slinging shit balls at your ass, that's really a fucking problem, you know? Well, I'm going to tell you the first story because I lied on this episode that I was on with my ex about what had happened in Hollywood Memorial Hospital in Florida in 1987. And I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to reach in the hospital and then we jump on. 
Uh, yes, I was wondering, um, if I was institutionalized in the psych department in 1987 and I was uh, raped by um, interns there, who do I uh, report that to years later? Is that something I can do? Thank you for calling Memorial Regional Hospital. We know your time is valuable. A representative will be with you shortly. To learn more about the services offered at Memorial Regional Hospital, visit mhs.net. The family birthplace at Memorial Regional Hospital is here to help welcome you to Rehabilitation Institute. <coughs> Thank you for calling the administration office at Memorial Regional Hospital. Our office hours are Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. until 5 p.m. If your call is of an urgent matter, press zero and you'll be directed to the hospital operator. Otherwise, press one to leave a message. Again, thank you for calling Memorial Regional Hospital Administration. I'm just going to cut through the shit, man. This was my first 72-hour hold. 1987, Florida. Miramar, Florida. Just to cut through a bunch of fucking diatribe. You guys have heard a bunch of episodes. You know what the fuck I went through. This isn't a pity party, but... There was this one day I came home. And it was a particularly fucking hard fucking day. And I just wanted to watch Good Times. And I sat there and I was watching Good Times. And my mom fucking started in on me. About fucking. Why can't I have a brain? And then my sister said yeah. How come you can't have a fucking brain like me? And I flipped out. And I went to the fucking kitchen drawer. And I grabbed a steak knife and I chased my sister down the fucking hallway. And I was like, I'm going to have a fucking brain like yours now, huh? <laughs> it's true, I did. And, uh, you know, then I went into the kitchen. I fucking took a fucking sh some shit and I turned it on my ass. And I just got sick of everything at that point. And I remember the fucking paramedics came. And... It was a big show. Everybody was out in my around the tract housing where I was living in the condos. Oh, he's an OD. He's an OD. And, uh, you know, they sent me to Hollywood Memorial. And I don't know who called. I thought it was my sister. But she, uh, someone told the doctor on the inside that I was being raped by my stepdad. And I wasn't. And there was some other kid in there. I ended up calling him Josh or whatever. But that first night was fucking bloody and brutal. And I didn't want to fucking tell this part on the fucking last time. Because I didn't want my chick to leave me. And even at age 48, this shit's fucking hard to fucking tell you. But you know what? Since she's made such a fucking big deal about me being raped by my fucking dad... Well, I didn't just get raped by my fucking dad. I got raped by fucking interns in the fucking hospital, too. You want to make a fucking joke about that? Go ahead.
Here you go. Here's your fucking fodder for that, asshole. And all your little friends that fucking stick up for you, this is dedicated to them too. Y'all can fucking eat my fucking shit. Motherfucker, they fucking strapped me down to a goddamn bed. Metal bed with no mattress. And two drunk motherfuckers came in with some chick. And the one guy fucking took some fucking metal instruments and said, we gotta check your rectum. I fucking told him to get the fuck away from me, man. I was screaming. And this motherfucker just started raping me with this shit, dude. <laughs> Brutally. I'm lucky I don't have a fucked up rectum from it, to be honest. Wanna talk shit about fucking getting raped? I told her, I said, I hope you get fucking raped. And you know what? I do regret fucking saying it, but you know what? I really don't either. Because you want to fucking talk shit about someone getting fucking raped, dude? And then you don't remember it. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> I'm never going to forget about this shit, dude. Just like I'm never going to forget about this story. All I had was fucking one cassette tape that I could listen to after this fucking painful experience. Yeah, man. And the other guy had one, too. And it was this song. On the other episode, I lied because I didn't want to fucking play this fucking song because I couldn't even handle it. Because Chainsaw would get it fucking upset whenever I fucking cry in front of her. Fucking bitch. Fuck you, man. Motherfucker had this fucking recorded over and over on each side. It wasn't sanitarium, it was this one. Fucking motherfuckers. You know. The one guy was drunk, he fucking made him look. They held his head and made him look while I was getting raped with this shit. And inside of a fucking month, the motherfucker hung himself. They were forcing lithium jello cups on us. People were actually fucking insane, insane. Josh Jacob, like I said, man. His dad beat the shit out of him. And then pissed on him in the fucking corner. And left him there. And then called the cops on his ass and said that he did it to himself. <laughs> I'm not laughing because I think it's funny, believe me. You want to talk about how shitty fucking the mental health system is? This is my fucking real story. I didn't tell you the fucking real story because I got assholes fucking calling up my ex-girlfriend talking shit. I got people in this neighborhood saying that they're not affiliated with her. Fucking they are affiliated with her. It's not very hard to find that kind of crap out, dude. Character assassinating motherfuckers. Same shit that was happening to me back then. One day, you know, shit was coming out of the fucking bathroom. And the nurses had already fucking said... If you guys play your music in the bathroom, you'll get your fucking privileges taken away. 
And it was fucking hanging out in the fucking bathroom. Literally. I told him, man, I said, you gotta turn that shit down, dude. And I went in there and he had hung himself. He'd hung himself, man. Inside of 24 hours, I was released with no word, no nothing. They just said goodbye. My mom came, started some shit with me. My dad had been beating the fuck out of me. I didn't know he was a pedophile yet. But I chose the lesser of two evils, and I thought the physical abuse was a lot easier to deal with than my mother's fucking psychotic mental abuse. And that's what I did. I went back to North Carolina. About a year later, my dad came home drunk and said, Hey, Josh Jacob called for you. I was like, well, that's impossible. He goes, I don't know who it is, but he said, Look to the trees, and then he hung up. I always look at the trees. I never have seen them. Never did. So there's a real fucking 72-hour fucking hold story. That's fucking reality. That's fucking reality, motherfuckers. People don't care who they fucking hurt, and they can just get away with whatever the fuck they want. Rest in peace, Cliff. I wish I could have met you, man. God knows I'm going to meet you soon enough. Fucking Cliff them all, man. Fucking dicks. <laughs> Thanks for coming out tonight, guys. <laughs> so I just got locked up. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> I went voluntarily. It was okay, yeah. No, they had great food. Had graham crackers. And, uh... Some applesauce. I know. You know, dude. <laughs> and you know when you're shitting that applesauce after the while, you know. They actually gave me some coffee. I had to use a Jedi mind trick on him. <laughs> I know, dude, right? Anyway, I ended up uh, going to the Behavioral Health Institute. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the guy pee in his pants, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All your classic characters. Robin Hood. Tweakle, tweakle dumb and tweakle D. Tweaking. And then the cop that's a that's a asleep in the back. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And uh, I had to tell him, hey, without a mental health advocate, I'm gonna record this call. I'm putting it on my podcast, so I know, right? <laughs> this guy, <laughs> he knows. He, he's done it before. <laughs> oh, yeah, he knows. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play a, a segment from that, and then I'm going to tell you another lockup story. And then uh, we're going to wrap it up, because this is the end of the 72-hour hold. All right, guys, hold on. 
Oh, yeah, you know. You fucking know it. The only uh, records I really care that are not faulty are to come from Stanford University from 2004. Okay. When I was properly diagnosed with CPTSD after being misdiagnosed with bipolar and all kinds of other things, schizophrenia, borderline schizo, things that Stanford University ended up saying, they're wrong, this is what you have, and this is after a month and a half stay in, uh, I believe in uh, April to May of 2004. Sounds like you've had quite a journey to get to where you are. Well, I did show up at uh, Stanford University dressed like a Grim Reaper with a uh, guitar around me <laughs> to get, you know, I had no money in insurance, so I had to pull the Reaper card. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, do you happen to have any contact information for them? No, but I can uh, give you the doctor's name. Her name was Dr. Who. H. Really? Yeah. She was Vietnamese. Is it HU? Yes. Okay. Uh, and you said that was around 2004? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And then uh, Dr. Quatch, like watch, but with a Q-U. Okay. And he would have been her assistant that ended up helping me uh, get to the point where I'm at. Um, and the third doctor, would have, her name was Sylvia... And she was the art therapist. Okay. And do you agree with your current diagnosis that you shared? CPTSD? And, mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Full-heartedly, yes. Okay. Makes sense to you with what you experience? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And all of the other previous diagnoses that you mentioned, do you endorse any of them, or do you think... No, because their their intent was to push Big Pharma at that point in 2003, uh, which they, uh, like I said, they were they had the same mantle. Your your position right now, mm-hmm. but as a psychiatrist, I guess, and they were giving me the pills because they were getting paid off to do it, like Zyprexa and its dissolvable form, which was Zytas at that point which was causing great suicidality. And uh, I told him. And the woman who was talking to me at the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless, she proceeded by grabbing me by the throat and shoving a Zydez down my mouth after I told her that. And when I pushed her off me, she called security. I ended up on a 72-hour hold. That's misappropriation and malfeasance. And if I would have had this recorded at that point, I could have had her job, So, which I needed to do, you know. So that's one of the reasons here in the future that I, because of several cases, mm-hmm. you know, of uh, physical harm and, and mental abuse coming from the mental health industry directly. So, you know. I'm really sorry you've had that experience, and I'm also thankful that you're willing to give it another try. Things are different. I'm different. Uh, It's been 10 years. I'm not sure what to expect, but so far everybody's been pretty kind. Good. And you have voice and choice in your own 
trajectory and what you're willing and wanting to do for yourself now? Yes, because I want to become an art therapist. So, Good. I already created underground cartoon therapy. Long story short, before you even hear the rest of the fucking intake, I chose not to go. I chose to move. I don't know where I'm heading, but I'm out of here. The one thing I do know is wherever I go next, I'm settling. And I am going to get in services. And if my doctor, if I feel him or her out, and they feel good, and I know I can trust them, which I <laughs> have serious reservations right now in the, in the heat of all the BS going on with everything else, you know. Mental illness seems like the biggest problem, but if everybody's mentally ill, they're claiming mental illness on some level, then it kind of makes it hard for people who are already went through technical diagnosis like I did, and they ought to stop saying it and start going to get diagnosed, and then they can say it, you know. But just saying it is bullshit. And it's kind of like these honkies, you know, I'm Cherokee, I'm Apache, you know, no, you're not, dude. <laughs> and you ain't this and you ain't that and you're a bunch of fucking bullshit. So, you know, quit playing around like you are. Anyway, man, I'm going to tell you this last story and... This one's dedicated to all the music that I have copyright infringed upon throughout the 72 episodes. Uh, I'm glad that you guys stuck around. And I know this is a hard-ass episode to hear. <laughs> and it's brought to you by... Uh, what the fuck am I smoking, man? I don't fucking even remember. That's perfect strain to smoke, too. I know it's in a fucking, some kind of jar. Anyway, that's what I'm smoking tonight, and that's what this episode's brought to you by, whatever the fuck I'm smoking. Anyway, I got half a bowl left. I, I'm good to go. So let me play a commercial here, and uh, we'll get to it. Now for a limited time at Taco Chime, you can get Four ultra cheesy roll up tacos for 99 cents. Wow, that's a good deal. Made with flatbread, real beef, and special lime sauce. Deal's getting better. Come in before six and make it a combo for free. Wow, that's going overboard. I'm sold. Taco chai. Boom. I decided to stick to the classics on this next one. <clears throat> Go back and listen to uh, Methophiles with my friend Rocky. We're telling, like, these Oakland stories, you know, but I was going to do this one called Dark Oakland or whatever, but whatever, dude. It's just bullshit. I'm just going to tell you the fucking story that happened, and if you listen to this next part and start The Wizard of Oz at the same time, it should match up. <clears throat> so it was, like, 2010... And I was doing pretty good with my second HMO in Oakland. Until one day I came in and I told the doctor, Stephen Balt, 
that uh, I'm looking forward to getting off the pills and that I was doing pretty good and that I was uh, experiencing spirituality. Well, that didn't settle well with him because he was taking cuts from Big Pharma, weren't you, Stephen Balt? <laughs> so he decided to cut me off for fucking two months. You know, this led to some pretty dire health problems I ended up having inside of 60 days since they decided not to give me my pills. He did it on purpose. When I came in for the second time to get my pills, the nasty old black chick that was working at the fucking front desk got another attitude with me. I was like, fuck you, man. Give me my fucking pills. If you don't stop cussing, we're gonna have to fucking call the cops. I was like, call the fucking cops. The fucking cops came. The cop was like, look, man, you're gonna have to go to another HMO now. You can't be here. He blocked me from going in. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking bullshit, dude. He goes, I know it. <laughs> Whatever. So I ended up going to Fruitvale. <clears throat> and right before that, in Fruitvale, the BART police had shot Oscar Grant. And if you don't remember that story, Oscar Grant was the young 20-something-year-old young twenty -something year old black kid that the bar police decided to go ahead and execute point-blank in front of 140 fucking <laughs> rolling fucking video cams on everybody's fucking cameras on their fucking phone. Everybody got it. Fucking stuck a gun right to the motherfucker's head and blew his fucking head off. Hmm. Anyway, I went to Fruitvale HMO, same time period, <laughs> and uh, Mike Williams was the guy who I was assigned at Fruitvale. I was pretty upset. He took a week's worth of supply of something, called it Seroquel. It was laced. The shit was laced. On the fourth day of fucking Christmas, I woke up puking blood all over myself. Hmm. I ended up, uh... <laughs> at Kaiser Permanente on 40th and Broadway in Oakland. Where they've had to pump my stomach twice with charcoal. Between the first and second pumping, I escaped the fucking bed got into the waiting room and said I'm done with this shit if I don't get a fucking mental health advocate right now under California state law I'm gonna fucking tear this fucking place down brick by brick and this guy came back and he said he was a mental health advocate and he wrote this fake ass fucking report and said I had a mild case of indigestion it was a huge cover-up. I called the news, I called the police, I called the FBI. Nobody fucking did anything. Didn't do shit. Sounds familiar, huh? 
I was trying to recover, but I had a mental fucking breakdown while I was helping out people with Down syndrome at Creative Growth in Oakland. I had a mental fucking breakdown and they took me to whatever the psych hospital is closest to there. I got out 20 hours later, it was nothing exciting. And around that time, my friend had uh, turned me on to drawing on wood. And that's what I was doing, I was drawing on wood. Which leads me into this last part. Yeah, man, trying to tell all your friends <laughs> that the HMO fucking laced your pills was nothing fucking fun, dude. Oh, man. I had a buddy over there in uh, downtown who owned a uh, framing shop, and he had turned me on to drawing on wood. And he knew I was hurting, man, you know. I was just going through all kinds of weird-ass shit. Same thing a lot of you guys are. I don't think my problem's any bigger than yours, man. But I'm going to share mine with you. It may or may not relate. But here it is, man, you know. So, yep, I have my pills laced. And for the next couple months, man, I had a cops called on me a couple times. <laughs> Wasn't really doing that hot, man. One day I went over to my buddy's shop, you know, and he gave me a bunch of wood. And I smoked a joint with him. We were talking. And I'd come walking back to my house, you know. And there was this Chinese restaurant there, man. It's not there anymore, it was on like Grand and Broadway. And I'd walk past and sometimes I ate there. Didn't really notice anything. But this one day I was walking past and I saw this little Chinese boy. He was only like six or seven years old, man. And he was just sitting at this table while his parents were working their asses off and he was bored off his ass. No friends, nothing. I felt my heart weigh heavy. But I had no boundaries, you know? And everybody was taxing my ass, so it was kind of hard for me to be outside, you know, at all. Kind of like it is right now. Fucking ten years later. Nothing's really changed. Definitely symptomatic, man. Anyway, by the third time I'd fucking come back over a period of a month and I'd walk past the shop. One day I had all this wood and colored pencils and markers and shit, so I fucking went inside the fucking place. I didn't say nothing. I just sat right in front of this kid. I took off my hat. He was looking at the stripes on my head. <laughs> Most kids are like, whoa. I pulled out this wood, I put out the markers, and I pulled out the fucking colored pencils. 
and I just started drawing. He kind of looked at me, he grabbed some markers, and he drew a UFO. <laughs> I said, what's your name? And he goes, Connell. And I was like, Connor, it's nice to meet you, man. His mom and dad saw I was just drawing with them. They brought me some food. I came in about four or five more times and started developing, you know, a cool little friendship with this kid in front of his parents so they knew he was safe. They were always in supervision of him. Finally, the verdict came back. Oscar Grant and his killer had been tried in L.A. and all of L.A. or uh, all of Oakland busted into a riot and they smashed out this Chinese couple's fucking restaurant window. They couldn't afford to get it back. The kid disappeared. And the parents disappeared. Never saw him again. I went back to Fruitvale. I meditated in the place where Oscar Grant was shot for about 20 minutes. I was properly exposed of. And uh, by the BART police, they said, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm out of here. And I left Oakland. And that was the last time I really got locked up, man, you know. And I never saw Connor again. But I still miss that little kid, dude. <laughs> and his parents were pretty chill, too. Happens to good people, man. And we end up losing out. So, just so you know, I'm taking notes here and there while we're talking so that I remember your exact words. Uh, so, I'm running underground cartoon therapy right now. <laughs> Thank so, you. So, and, I can remember it. And you can listen to it on Spotify. I've got a okay. 60, 69 episodes up right now. So. <laughs> Uh, so, for your Stanford records, I just want to confirm uh, there are different kinds of authorization types. So, one of them is uh, for you to consent for us to release records to them, or for them to release records to us, or a mutual exchange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, that's completely up to you. I'm, I'm okay with the total exchange, because you never know what... Here in the future, like I said, they were the only ones that were ever properly diagnosing me. And I couldn't stay at Disney World. So I had to go back into the inner city mental health racket, where, of course, mm -hmm. I was mistreated again. I am really sorry that you've had these experiences. I'm not the only one, but yeah, I, I appreciate that. You're not the only one, but, you know... I hope that we can provide a much different experience for you and get you on a good path. Thank you. Okay, so uh, now that we have those forms done, I would really like to hear in your words what brought you here today. Um, I had gone 10 years without getting help. Uh, because of the HMO incident uh, in Oakland. 
uh, December, I believe it was December 2010. Uh, after that, I uh, had myself purposefully institutionalized three times at Woodhull in uh, Brooklyn, New York, uh, okay. because I was writing a horror novel and because I needed the effect. So you, are you saying that you checked into inpatient for research or? Well, I, I was writing, I was scared and the stuff I was writing was uh, PTSD caused by a specific incident that happened in 92 where I was living in a, a haunted house and uh, I had the mentality and I was on a lot of psychotropics too but I also had the, the mentality of the death metal kid at that time I was like 2021 20, and uh, I was like well I know the house is haunted so I'm more evil than the house, so I'm just going to take it on. So I stayed in the haunted house for about six months. And the walls bled. And the holes grew out of the wall. And flesh grew out of the wall. And stuff like that. Where was this? In Denver, in City Park. 17th and Adams, across from the Museum of Natural History. It's not called that anymore, but that's what it was called at that time. You say in Denver? Yeah. That sounds really frightening. It was frightening. Anyway, to get to what you were asking me, uh, yeah. what led me in here was my narcissistic, un, you know, uh, untreated, you know, uh, cluster B, <laughs> B, what do you call it, borderline personality disorder. That's what she was. She just uh, ended up uh, basically treating me like, uh, can I have permission to cuss? Are you cool with that? Of course. Uh, she ended up treating me like a piece of fucking dog shit. And uh, in the, her last act, after lying to me four times, getting me back and uh, being abusive, um, she ended up going online with uh, some drunk blankety blank and her friend of hers and uh, <laughs> went online and, and started talking shit about me uh, after I had confided in her about being raped by my dad when I was a kid and talked shit about it and made a comment uh, I said why do you have to go online and tell everybody live on Instagram starting shit with me when you know I have PTSD and she said uh Oh, you're triggered out? It must be because of what your dad did to you. That's why you're a lousy lake. After that, that cracked this temporal line in my head that I've been holding. I made a couple, you know, off comments back, believe it. And, uh, not my proudest hour. But, uh, she ended up leaving four days before my birthday on the 6th. As you can see on the chart, that was when my birthday was just now. So, you know, she just left. I've spent the last three weeks hurting because of her. So this was something you were in a relationship? I'm sorry, I missed um, when you started talking about it, who, who you were referring to as she? My ex. Okay. So is this someone that you were with recently? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what she did was illegal, but, you know... <laughs> I didn't press the charges. She thought she'd get away with it too. I guess she did. 
because here I am, uh, you know. Now I gotta get help again. It's pretty embarrassing, it's fucking humiliating to be here, and uh, I'll be straight up. I uh, have been doing pretty good about staying out there until this fucking bitch got in my life and fucked my shit up, you know? So that's pretty much what, now I gotta deal with that and talk to my mom and other people about how humiliated I am, and they're like, there's nothing wrong with getting help. And that's why I ended up believing it and coming. Because of a few good friends that, you know, finally after I felt uh, like I hadn't slept in three days the other day when I went to the hospital, I knew it had gone too far. I was waking up with night terror, sweating, you know, yelling at nothing. You know, uh, I handed, hey. the, I just handed my phone over to my friend and said, "Go ahead and call 911." <laughs> I knew that was the only way I could get services because, you know, I'm, I don't have a primary out here, and I just moved out here. You know, so mm -hmm. if I went voluntarily, huh? How long have you been out here? About two months. Okay, where did you move from? I was in the Bronx. Okay. Uh, my regards to Yankee Stadium. Uh, what brought you out here? Uh, my cartoon career. Uh, it just happened to be in the same place that um, my my chick was in, but I didn't move out here for her, and I was aware that she was going to move at some point. I was just hoping it was going to be, hey, we're together, you know, you're just doing your thing, and it didn't. Nothing went that way, dude. She was a narcissistic, you know, time bomb. And now, a word from our sponsor. Upset stomach. Uh, I shouldn't have had that super burrito. Downs offers the best in upset stomach relief. Oh, that's better. Now available in Downs Chewables. Available at Walgreens and Rite Aid. So, it sounds like you went to the hospital and your friends were concerned. Uh, and you mentioned having been up for a few days, not being able to sleep. So what, when you experience that, what does it tell you about your needs and what's going on for you? That it was just too much to deal with at this point, you know. I'd done pretty well. And, uh, staying off, I mean, I was on the antipsychotics for eight and a half years. And it took two and a half years to get off them, clean them out of my system. Mm -hmm. Now I'm doing it again, you know, because I know I need them. It's obvious, you know. And who I am right now and what I sound like when I'm on pills are two different things, man. And I kind of want, you know, my audience out there in podcast land to hear what I sound like on meds, you know, and how it's reacting and da-da-da-da and what's, and what's going on with me. Because, you know, I'm not the only one, and now I have an audience of 1,900 people. That does feel really good to have such a platform. A lot of people have PTSD, whether they're diagnosed or not. And uh, in this world right now, after having, you know, gone through uh, the government and uh, everything that they've done to us, whether they're pro-government or not, they have suffered with some PTSD because of it anyway. So it doesn't matter what side they're on, it just matters that 
their mentality is fractured and that there is this, you know, or it's jeopardized or there's something in there. Or I just have a lovely way of telling the story. Whatever they want to listen to, you know, I'm a narrative, you know. That's why I'm going to broadcasting school because I got the gift of gab. And I'm not afraid to narc on anybody. <laughs> you know? I'll fucking tell on anybody. <laughs> I really Are you currently in broadcasting school? Not yet. Okay. That's something that you'd like to do? Here? Yeah. Because I want to go into voiceovers and all kinds of junk too after this, you know. But the, the mental health is the main perspective. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned that you were on an antipsychotic for about eight years? Yeah, I was on a bunch of them when I was being misdiagnosed, but after I got to Stanford, they diagnosed me with Seroquel. And they said, look, this is generally what we do give schizophrenics, ironically, but you're not schizophrenic. Okay. You have CPTSD. And I think for a while, when people who are supposed to monitor my pills... That's what I want people to hear me like again, because that's who I am. I'm a good guy. And I know only an asshole will really say that, but it's totally true, though. You know? I don't, you know, it's when people uh, lash out at me or draw first piss is how I put it. You know? Mm -hmm. But I have, I have a saying, and I'm going to get it tattooed on my neck. And uh, it's going to say in, in rune, it's going to say, cause no harm. Take no shit. Cause no harm, take no shit. Yeah. Because you, you, you need boundaries, and that's the one thing that pills will help me develop again. So what I, kinds of boundaries do the pills help with for you? Like not letting narcissistic BPD, you know, cunts in my fucking life to fucking ruin my shit. That's one, that's one thing it helps with, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and okay. keeping people that would uh, otherwise I would attract because I'm a shit magnet because I was beat and abused my whole life. I'm just like everybody else that want to be in a relationship. You're going to attract the one that's going to abuse you. If I'm on pills, I got a better chance of not doing that, right? And finding somebody that actually, you know, may, may have a cool demeanor like you even, you know? Like, you know what I'm saying, but... That's who I would rather be with is someone that's stable, understands, they have mental illness. That would be better because then I can work a non-alcoholic relationship because <laughs> I've been sober. <laughs> and I had two drinks with this chick that I was with, man, just to show her, you know. And all she did was make me strong drinks. It didn't work. You know, I was trying to use yeah, some reverse psychology. Yeah. Do you have a history of alcohol abuse? No, but I used to own a bar, and that's what made me stop drinking. Okay. So, I, it sounds like you would potentially like to get reconnected to medication? Ideally. Okay. okay. Uh, and... Yeah, I know medications can help us feel more stable or able to do the things that we enjoy and get a little closer to maybe who, who you used to be, who you liked. But I would also encourage adding 
a talk therapy component. Yeah. Whatever kind works well for you. But the medication with talking, I think, would really get you. We're on the same. We're on the same. We're on the same page. We're on the same. Okay. And you know what? A talk doc, but also uh, I'd like to get into uh, a peer group too. You know, so uh, I would also like to be able to talk to other people, you know, who are non-military, whose abuse came out of childhood. Okay. Have you ever participated in or looked for a group like that? Maybe through NAMI or any other places? Yeah, but NAMI in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they were rude to me. They were rude? How so? Uh, they kind of looked at me like this, like, after I was told by the head supervisor, whoever I talked to on the phone, too, from NAMI, and said that I wanted to go in for it, and uh, they also told me while I was there, and here's one for you, did you know there's not one PTSD peer group in New York City? Not one. Not one. There's not one. And you know what? If you want private PTSD help, you have to pay out the yin-yang, you know that. And it's somewhere in Midtown, you know that. You gotta take the six train, right? <laughs> it's like, you know. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I do. Yeah. You know you're, at, you're at NYU, so you know. Yeah. I do. Huh. And there, that's know? what I went through, you know. So. Okay. I think groups are something we can look into together. That would be great. Find some supportive services locally, and then, uh, do you have internet access? Just on my phone. Okay. So those are things we can talk about going forward. Uh, do you currently have insurance? I do, but I just need to activate it. And I've been kind of wandering around from New York for the last few years. And I wasn't sure if I was even staying here. But now that I've been here 60 days and now that I'm, I've made this far of a move in talking to you, I said after, depending on how it goes today, which it's going really well, I feel, yeah. uh, I'm going to go ahead and call my uh, SSI and have my new address reported so I can go ahead and get my insurance activated out here. But okay. I didn't, I didn't want to do it until... You know, but I did need help, man, and it, it sucks to admit it, dude. I have a hard time because my dad beat the shit out of me, man. And he'd be like, no one needs fucking help like that, you know, and that kind of, you know, fist in your face kind of bullshit, you know. Growing up in Northeast Ohio, it's fucking violent there, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of crazy whites and Polacks and shit like that. I think you absolutely deserve help. Whatever that looks like for you, uh, you deserve to not feel that way. And it sounds like you are pretty motivated and dedicated and you know the effects of what you've been through and it's time to find a way to move forward. It took me a long time to talk like this and to get to this point and to feel safe enough as an adult that I wasn't going to let anybody hurt me. Not mm -hmm. only in the in, not only on the outside, but in the industry as well. As I'm like you know, 
this is a career, you know. This isn't something that I get to be like, oh, I took some pills for three months and that was cool. I'm not looking, I don't even want pills. But, you know, and if I wasn't sick, I wouldn't be smoking weed even, you know. But that's all I do. And motherfucker, I can't smoke enough of that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I sm I'll smoke as much as I can. You know. But do you use any other substances? Never have. Okay. Just acid back in the day, way long time ago. Shrooms, you know, shit. Mm -hmm. When it was legal in Boulder. Okay. <laughs> uh, for your marijuana use, do you uh, stick to any particular strain or? Sativa or a sativa okay. hybrid. Okay. Do you find any negative effects from smoking sativa or hybrid? Uh, if it's too good, it could get a little speedy in my brain. Mm -hmm. I'll start thinking too much, man. And then my uh, and then my hands start sweating, you know. So and then I'll get this little, and uh, it'll be like the same old pattern, you know. It's like sweat, anger, sadness. And then I'm like, wow, I'm fucking baked. And kind of ends like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Which part of that... You said sweat, anger, and sadness, which on the surface uh, can sound not that positive. Yeah. Are there positive things about it that help you, or is that when it's not a strain that was good for you? Uh, hybrids are usually the best, man. And I get... But if it's like too strong of a sativa strain, like if it's over like 25% THC, which mm -hmm. is a lot, that's when, you know, if it's 26 or higher, I'm just, oof, I can't deal with it. So it's got to be, I keep like at 21 to 23%, usually mm -hmm. like Gorilla Glue or okay. uh, some kind of hybrid, you know, off the hybrid, you know, mid-level. Okay. Do you find that your use of marijuana interferes with your ability to do any of the other things that you want to do right now? Uh, I think the hardest thing is that just I get too horny, you know, and I can't go out to talk to anybody right now because I reek of just having gotten broke up with. And, you know, women can smell that shit on your ass. So I'm not trying to fucking do that to bring some baggage into a new thing. I want to get better here first, and then I want to go find somebody that I can relate to. As opposed to jumping into something like this last person I was with, you know, who made promises of grandeur, you know, and all this other shit that I fell for, you know. And that, that shit can help hurt you, man. But if you're not, you know, there... It can really crack your ass, and that's what it did, you know, to where everything I've been like, if anybody even comes at me even a little bit raw, it's a threat, and I don't want to feel like... how do you react when you feel threatened? Fuck you. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking block your ass, you know, shit like that. Or, yeah, I'll, or I'll give you a podcast show, and you can tell me how you really feel about me, and we can go at it there, you know? 
Uh, do you ever get in physical fights? Nope. Never do, man. I haven't in, uh, I haven't since OJ's glove didn't fit his hand, okay? So that's pretty much the last time. Hi. Glad to hear that. Not one blow. Not one blow. I could have, too. I could have. What stops you from actually hitting someone or when you feel angered or triggered when someone says something disrespectful or threatens you or... You really have to have your hands on me and attacking me for me to hit you back. And I think by that point, it's legal at that time. So, you know, <laughs> that's it, you know. Uh, otherwise, uh, I worked for the creator of all for 16 years now. And that was one of the things that, he's the one that got me into Stanford because he found me in the Redwoods when I was hitchhiking down there from Seaside. And I ended up on some Christian holy land that, you know, I didn't want to be on because I don't like Christians. I really don't still. But uh, most people confuse my spirituality with Christian because it comes from, you know, well, they're like, what well, you believe? And I'm like, well, Jesus and Mary Magdalene. You know, so that automatically gets ranked into uh, Judaic, voodoo, Christian, and a bunch of other, you know, shit. So. I'm not, though. You know, I do know those guys. My mom's in the voodoo. She's a voodoo high priestess, you know. But, uh... Your mom is a voodoo high priestess? Oh, yeah. Where does your mom live? New Orleans. Oh. She knows, she knows the spirits that are around me. She has a hard relationship with God, too. But it's there. It's there. But it's just hard, you know. What's hard about it for you? What's hard about, about being, or about my relationship with the Creator? How He could conceive and create things like child rape, crap like that, you know? And then have people have to fucking deal with it. And I, how does this come out of your fucking brain, dude? You know, this is the most obscene shit in the world. So, right there, we're at, that's kind of our relationship at the moment after year 16. We fight like a married couple. What happened 16 years ago? That's when I went to Stanford and decided to tell the inner city mental health clinic to fucking suck it. And then I went to fucking uh, Stanford and I had been doing a solo acoustic death metal comedy act uh, where I dressed like the Grim Reaper. So that's why I entered into Stanford like that. Because <laughs> I knew I had a good chance of getting locked up in there. A solo acoustic death metal comedy act? A solo acoustic death metal comedy act. Dressed like the Grim Reaper. Dressed like the Grim Reaper. Okay. Slinging fake shit on people in the crowd, you know, stuff like that. Fake blood, you know, crap. People loved it, man. It was total rock and roll. I did 150 shows in Denver.
you know. Which yeah, I, we want to make sure that you have coverage, and we do offer services to Medicaid clients. Uh, so that's something that you can probably do partly on your phone, might need to go into DSHS. Uh, do you have transportation or you're able to take a bus? Navigate? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'd like to hear what kinds of services you think would be most helpful for you. Art therapy. Yeah. Art therapy? Okay. And if it doesn't exist, I want to start it. Okay. And I want to start start it for King County, so because that's where I'm at, you know. And I've already got, you know, uh, a pretty good title under my belt of portfolio, you know, and everything else. And I'm really good with working with people, you know. So that's uh, specifically who have CPTSD, you know. I can't. I'm not really good with working with schizophrenics or BPDs. Or uh, SPDs, but uh, otherwise CPTD uh, uh, complex um, and uh, and PTSD also. I'm specifically almost trained to the T to work with these guys, and I've saved a few lives. Good. Yeah. Uh, so, would you say you're looking for employment? I want to start. I want to pioneer. I want to pioneer a new system. You know, that within the system, you know, but not getting messed over by the uh, existing system. Mm. You know? Collaboration, maybe. Well, yeah. I, well, I could see myself in three years being like, hey, remember my first session? And, you know, the virus <laughs> has been long done, you know. We're like, you know, we can take these craps off our faces now, you know. Yes. Uh, and you mentioned medication. That one, I'm... That's a hard... Uh, you know, for lack of a better term, it's a hard dick to swallow. And I don't know which ones to uh, take because of how misappropriated I was uh, on them to begin with. Because as soon as I told my second HM, HMO in Oakland that I'm doing good and that I didn't, I'm looking forward to being off him, he purposely cut me off for two months. And you can't do that. You're going to hurt somebody that's on the pills. So by the second time, when they did deny me the second time, I started a small-scale riot at my HMO. They sent me to a Fruitvale HMO. And the guy gave me a week's supply worth that was laced. And on the fourth day of Christmas, I woke up puking blood all over myself. Had to get my stomach pumped twice with charcoal. Mm -hmm. made, a, made an announcement in the lobby if I didn't get a mental health advocate under California state law that I was going to destroy this hospital. And the guy came out and said, oh, I'm a mental health advocate. And he wasn't. He was lying. He was lying. And when I got in there, he, I got my stomach pumped again. They wrote back the uh, thing and said, I just had a mild case of indigestion. It was a total cover-up. I tried to call the news, the authorities, what little family I had at that point. You know, they're all passed away now. My mom's still around, but, you know, that's about it. And uh, nobody could do shit for me, dude, or wanted to do it, or decided that they didn't want to do it. It was one of the three. So you can see where now I have to record a session, and now I have to record all the things that happened, and now i got to record this, i got to record that. Kind of led into the podcast. 
So I just figured, fuck it, man. I might as well just get two birds stoned at once. You know? Okay. Uh, do you think you would be interested in meeting with a prescriber here? Yeah. I'm no. not trying to pressure you one way or another. No, just following up on some of... Okay. And even if you do meet with a prescriber, you're not promising that you're absolutely going to take anything. It just sounds like it would... Would it be helpful for you to be able to talk to someone who knows about all of the potential options that might help you if you are interested in pursuing that? Sarah calls some nasty old shit. Let's not, let's call it like it is, you know? But, uh, you know, also, if it's being regulated and I got that proper 60-day period to break in on them again, then I can start talking to people and get enrolled in school finally. But I'm not doing shit until I'm back on the pills. Because I know I need them. And it sucks to admit it, man. I mean, it's, it fucking sucks. But the second thing is, is I'm not talking to shit until I'm broke in. You know? I need broke in on them. And I don't want to talk to no one. I mean, just the doctors, obviously, to regulation. Yeah. And obviously, mediate or whatever the case may be. But no friends. My mom can fuck off. No offense, mom. And then uh, everybody else can fuck off too. Okay. I really admire your dedication to getting well right now. And there is no shame in being medicated, in recognizing that you feel better medicated, in pursuing help for yourself and trying to live the healthiest life and after things you have suffered. So I really appreciate you coming to this appointment and your friend calling 911 for you and everything that's gotten you to this point so that you can Hard feel moves. well again. <laughs> Hard moves, man. They are. They're hard. Damn, I almost shit myself the other day when I called fucking pigs on my ass, you know? I was like, oh, God. I, th I thought I had a good skin mark, not to get offensive, but I'm glad I didn't shit myself, man, because I was that scared, though. That's how bad it was getting that stomach pumped and all that shit back then, you know, and all this cover-up crap, you know? So it leaves a lot of <coughs> in your head, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a bold, brave move to come back and... I appreciate your... Oh. Your condolences, or whatever the word is, you know. I much respect. Uh, so I would like to talk about next steps and what you feel you need. Uh, first step is getting that Medicaid activated. And uh, we have ongoing services that we could get you signed up with once your Medicaid is active, if that's something that you want. Yeah, and this is going to be my new social life, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and if you'd like to do a full intake, once that Medicaid is active, we can schedule that. And it would be, you know, just a more fleshed out history, and we'd talk more about your experiences and your needs, and move forward from there and find a good match of clinician for you.
I just I just want I just want to go kind so that the kindness I administrate to others in the future when I am well again and I will be well again uh, mm -hmm. you know I can come off like you and you know have that same kindness towards the person I'm helping you know what I mean because if you weren't like I that and that. you were talking to me old school like these Oakland dicks it wouldn't fucking work out for you, me, or anyone. So, you know, it just, it ain't helping no one, right? If people are mis mistreating their, you know, their their uh, appropriate position, you know, specifically in the mental health field, you know. I want to be able to show people the same kindness and love and care and put the boundaries up, too. Like I said, I can't work with schizophrenics. No offense. I can't work with these specific diagnosed guys. No offense. But it's not that I don't have care and love for them. I just know my boundaries. And that's one of the things pills will help me develop is boundaries for myself. And I already know it because I've been letting people shit all over me for a fucking while now. And it ain't fucking working out. You know? So that's why I made the move before it just got too bad. It's just not worth it to let it persist till it's just decaying, it's like, you know, I didn't need to be on a 72-hour hold, I needed to prevent it and know that I could end up there if I didn't make the right move. And the rest of it, guys, is just splish splash, I was taking a fucking bath, bunch of fucking, let's get your information and blah blah blah. Like I said, turned out I didn't want to fucking be here in Seattle, but... Even though I've been against Big Pharma, you know, I do sound better when and feel better if I'm being monitored the right way with some specific medication. I can't argue it, man. <clears throat> as much as I want to, because, <laughs> you know, fuck these guys. Anyway, that was your uh, 72 hours, 72 hours, starting with, do you like Pina Coronas? Going all the way through the first season, I yanked a few episodes for reasons that are mine. I don't need to fucking tell you jack shit, but I hope you have enjoyed it. Well, I hope you enjoyed it, man. And thank you for joining me. See if I can remember some people. Byron Obando. Phoenix Robuck. Lady Firestone, White Dynamite, <laughs> Brandon, Tim Simpson, Cole Miller, Mike Diana, Steven Leva, and a thousand other Muppets that I've had. Thank you for joining me, guys. I'll see you on season four. Exactly. Uh, thank you, thank you, and uh, welcome for the moment to the Muppet Show. Uh, listen, I really feel bad about <laughs> this, but I have a special announcement. Hey, maybe we've gotten lucky at last. Yeah, maybe tonight's show's been canceled. <laughs> well, who else? Karina from uh, Punk as Fuck, Copperhead. Who else? Oh, Carlo, Carlo Quispe. Quispe. <laughs> hmm. Who can I think of off the top of my head? 
Russ McKay, Glenn Danzig's head of security. That was awesome. And a bunch of other motherfuckers. Couldn't have done it without going crazy without you. Hearing this virus for 72 hours. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. <laughs> Good night, guys. See you on season four, guys. Thank you for joining me on Adam Air MDGD Underground Cartoon Therapy.